Buglers, we are live from Leicester Square Theatre on the 16th of September with Chris Addison and Alice Fraser. It might be our only London date of the year, so get your tickets now. Oh, get them at thebuglepodcast.com. That, that bit's important. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is a podcast from The Bugle. Hello, I'm Tiff Stevenson. You may know me as an actor, stand-up and writer, but for this podcast only... I'm a therapist. Welcome to Catharsis, where we attempt to take people's old grudges, topical gripes and historical beefs and provide some relief. I don't want to say relief. I keep saying relief. That makes it sound sexual. Anyway, we're here. We're trying our best to help, hopefully provide some catharsis. Uh, Before I introduce this week's guest, um, I would like to just have a little moan of my own. I'm mainly just lamenting the passage of time right now in my 40s and uh, and middle age. I know I've started getting older as I've, I'm buying a lot of my clothes in places that also sell food. And I think that's a real sign. <laughs> like if I could buy beef burgers and some shorts, I'm barbecue ready, bitch. So I'm at an age now where if I order a soft drink at the bar, people assume I'm on antibiotics rather than pregnant. That sort of age, you know? <laughs> I, I bought a gout bracelet the other day. Like a gout, a gout bracelet. Like, I can rock a jewellery look, but a gout bracelet is pushing it. At least, like, if Chanel could release one, at least I'd have something to look forward to. If you don't know what a gout bracelet is, it's those copper bangles you see people wearing for arthritis or for gout or for various other. And they turn green. Um, it's very, very appealing. And uh, my guest this week is already looking at me in horror. <laughs> so I shall introduce her. I'm very excited to be joined this week by my good friend, she is a stand-up comedian, she is a writer, she is a producer, and now she is a published author, the fantastic Jenna Friedman. Hi, it's so nice to catch up with you, Tiff. I know we have to do it over podcasts because we're comedians, but it is so <laughs> nice to hear your voice and see your face. Well, the first section of the podcast we like to call old grudge that's where you bring something to us that happened in the past that you might you're maybe thinking could I have handled this differently do I want to let it go is it still under my skin it's annoying you tell me tell me about your old grudge so this isn't personal but it's it's a it's a grudge that I am um, I have a real bone to pick I could make it older but um I'm very upset with Twitter right now and yeah I started yeah. Twitter in 2009 so I have been on Twitter for a long time. And now I keep getting emails about people in places like Lithuania, where like my great great grandparents fled, trying to hack into my Twitter account. And I got another email today from someone, uh, it was from Twitter security, 
And then they're like, you've got to secure your account. So then I go on and then they say, but you've got to be a blue check subscriber to secure your account via two-factor authentication, whatever, 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 whatever. I'm not very tech savvy, but I just feel like this guy came in who's running the site to the ground because he can. And I know Twitter's not a public utility, but it's just this kind of metaphor for this late stage capitalist hellhole that we're living in at the moment. And it's very frustrating as somebody who's not a psychopath to try to uh, exist and thrive in this environment. It was such a useful tool for such a, like, I just feel like at the moment, like, and I know you're probably the same, like myself and a few other comics, especially female comics, felt like we started to get some momentum on it. And it actually became a useful tool for selling tickets and where you could do jokes or you could talk about stuff and it didn't feel so utterly divisive. And also people, you could literally change your name to a man and then like not get harassed. Like it wasn't like you, your your face and your body and your image wasn't associated with your words, which was also really cool. And so, yeah, it gave us that level of like freedom. And also there what people forget that there was a time where MySpace, Twitter, even Facebook, Instagram, they weren't automatically controlled by the algorithm and the yes. sites were cool and there was this optimism in tech where people could connect and um uh the maybe the world would be a better place if we can all kind of communicate with each other but then when the algorithms came in and they started amplifying hateful content and when they hired like behavioral scientists and neurologists to make the alg make the sites as addictive as possible and fuck with our brains now everybody's being radicalized and becoming like white supremacists and terrorists and or just like mentally ill it's awful um but to I your feel point like the yes. algorithm feels like it's like a newborn baby like have you fed it today it needs to be fed right <laughs> give the right. algorithm something otherwise the algorithm is gonna gonna die and wither and you won't get you know it, it's yeah. it's it's it'll um, disappear yeah yeah and it feels like it feels like i have this theory but i i, I think with um <laughs> I, we need to start being mean to nerds again. Yeah. But the, not the nerds now. The nerds, we need to be like those tech, basically like the 50 something tech bros. Yes. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking this because like, I think this all started when Elon Musk bought Twitter because he wanted to be popular. And I don't want geeks and nerds popular. I want them creating cool shit that I get to use. I want them innovating. I don't want them happy in romantic relationships, having kids. <laughs> I want them deeply unhappy and innovating because, um, you know, necessity is the mother of invention, right? Like, and I think it all coincided with with Elon going, I'm going to buy Twitter because I want to be popular and I want to be seen that way. And that coincided with all the cars driving themselves off the road. Yes. I would agree with you wholeheartedly if I didn't live in a country where everybody has a gun. I want the nerds anesthetized. I want them sprayed with oxytocin. <laughs> I want them <laughs> on drugs so that they're not, you know, I don't know, not 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 uh, not uppers. Um, I don't want them on opioids. I, they're all already on. Everyone's on opioids. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's scary right now, and I'm frustrated. I'm frustrated that. Uh, that he, that one guy can just ruin a site like that. Well, I got offered to follow him today. It was like follow for updates. And I was like, why is this appearing? In oh, yeah. And then all the blue checks, everybody who has a blue check now is like a white supremacist or a crazy person. So it's very disorienting. You go on Twitter, you look at news. 
which out of all the social media platforms, they do say that the people on Twitter are like the most well-read or literate, um, the most good readers. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I would get my news on Twitter, but now with all the blue checks weighing in and they're actually not like legitimate people who by legitimate, I mean like people who should be weighing in on certain things. And a lot of them are just kind of spreading fake news. It's very disorienting to, to log on and see that. I have seen one thing that I have seen that I guess might be positive is when sometimes people share a clip, it now says underneath, this has been widely debunked or this is, I'm sort of seeing that, which I didn't see before. So maybe that's one positive thing that he's, you know, I don't think it's him. I think he's a total fascist. I think all those tech guys, I think the rest of us are so naive to think that they give a shit about democracy or anything. I think they want to be uh, robber barons and overlords. And I don't think they, I mean, you'd think that, and this is a little bit of a tangent, but you think that Jeff Bezos would be embarrassed that people like collapse on his like fulfillment center floors of like a heart attack from working too hard. You'd think that these guys, you start a company and then all these people working for it are like not able to like feed their families. Like, wouldn't you be embarrassed? Wouldn't you want to pay them a living wage? Like, I, I don't understand why they're so content um, hoarding so much money while people who who wear shirts with the company they created on them are suffering. I, I just don't. Well, back even back in the old days, it seemed like philanthropists at least built villages and libraries and schools and if you made a lot of money in business and you wanted to be a good well, boss, that you would attempt to do that, right? Well, actually, I don't know if you've read this book uh, called Dark Money by Jane Mayer. She's a New Yorker journalist. Um, she talks, she kind of debunks the idea of like billionaire philanthropists. It's all just a tax loophole thing. Like they have this money that they have to burn because of like some sort of tax loophole where they can like, Put it towards philanthropy and get like tax write-offs so it's like they're not necessarily being generous by any means they're just trying to like make less of their money be taxed and set up endowments or whatever for future generations because if you have i'm not clearly not good at business but it's like if you have this separate philanthropic organization you can pay people through it i was just wondering if that is the case even going back as far as you know 100 years ago or 50 years ago or 60 years ago that it's that it's been ever thus or were there people who were like you know cuz i know there's this guy on twitter who was around for a little while who was like the good boss or the guy who who had a company that made a lot of money and he upped all of his employees wages so that everyone felt like a kind of deep sense of pride and gave them shares in the company and he maybe yeah. unbillionaired himself i'm not sure that was your thing. Yeah. I thought that your comment about JK Rowling and everybody just like, you can unbillionaire yourself. Oh, that JK Rowling bastion of <laughs> social responsibility. No, but just the idea that, yeah, I mean, it, it is a sickness and it's gotten increasingly worse. And maybe if, if people multimillionaires back in the day, cause there weren't a crazy amount of billionaires, you know, before the eighties, but um, or the 90s, or even really the 2000s, 2000s, it's just gotten increasingly worse. But I do think that when we were more connected as a society, and people were running into each other and seeing each other, not totally isolated by their own wealth, um, there was a little bit of like an accountability and a, a feeling of community where I think people would maybe donate money because they saw other people in their community. Well, there's so many now of this type of sort of billionaire 
that a lot of the art that we're seeing then kind of tackles this because no one big like I always say like I don't begrudge like millionaires or or like multi-millionaires or people making money like I want to make a lot of money that's fine I want to be able to you know feed myself feed my family have a nice life you know I don't think that is bad in itself and I don't think making a lot of money is bad of course not Two billion. Can you just like cap it at two billion or can there be like a tax after two billion? Like that's so much money. Can you because it's just that's what it is. I agree with you. The The complaint is, oh, you're a socialist or anti-capitalist or whatever. It's like, no, we just you just live in a society and you want like it well, just it's more damaging for you to have that money because it doesn't go back. If you for hoarding that wealth that doesn't go back into the economy. It's actually more damaging for you to have that. It's also unearned. Like we've created such a mythology around like the billionaires earning the money that they make when that's like entirely not true. Like the reason people like, like the Walmart family, the Waltons are able to do what they do is because they live in a society where if people are poor who work for them because they're not making living wages, they can go on food stamps and survive that way. So these like billionaires are taking advantage of the social safety nets we already have and they're exploiting what we already have. They themselves are not these geniuses. Oh, there's people here working for banks who are using food banks. So working at a bank and using a food bank. Yeah. Yeah. That's you know, really that bad. is, there's something wrong there. Something is bro inherently broken within the, uh, but that's how we know that's just the rise of the, the amount of like mega, mega, mega wealthy because we're seeing glass onion. We're seeing succession we're right. seeing, you know, triangle of sadness. Yes, which is brilliant. The menu. Yes, yeah. Avenue Five had a tech billionaire in it. So yeah, there's, there's so because they're becoming prevalent, you know, like more and more prevalent, I guess, in society. So um, yeah, and and look, normally at this, when I say here's your old grudge, how can I help provide some release? Is talking about it cathartic. <laughs> in a yeah. way or or is it equally just as frustrating I guess um, well we're, it's not I mean it's important to talk about it like we're going through the writer's strike right now so it's like extra heavily on my mind with everything going on and just when you find out like there are eight men in Hollywood who are making like 40 million a year and then the rest of us are just kind of being screwed and uh, you know, you writing used to be like a pretty stable middle class profession, and now it's not anymore. Middle class means something different in the U.S. than in the it does U.S. In the yeah, UK. yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, we're we're all it's very much at the top of mind, and it. I know that so we all feel the same way. It's just a matter of like, how do you get the politicians to, in our country at least, to regulate? Which I don't. I don't think it's possible. I think they're. I, I don't know. Well, run for office yourself. Yeah, right. <laughs> no fucking way. With everything else I'm doing as well. I'm too busy to run for office. Um, thank you for sharing your old grudge. This section of the podcast is very, um, I guess what you were saying is an ongoing grudge, but this is more of a topical gripe. So something that's very current. Well, I say very current. It could be in the last year or whatever that's happening, that's getting under your skin and that we attempt to apply some some balm to a stingy news story. Mm, okay, well, my topical gripe. Now I'm just going to seem like this bitter shrew, but I'm very upset. I don't know if you're following um, the repeal of Roe v. Wade in our country. Yes. And um, women like having to bleed out in a parking lot because the hospital will not um, 
serve them unless the fetus doesn't have a heartbeat anymore. If they've like, you know, had a miscarriage or whatever sort of horrible thing that is associated with uh, pregnancy. Um, and I'm just, uh, I'm bummed. Yeah. <laughs> I'm bummed that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm bummed that this uh, very outspoken minority gets to call themselves pro-life when they're pro-guns and anti-women and they're not even pro uh uh, fetuses because I don't think that uh, pregnant people should have uh, health care funded by the government. Um, yeah, so I'm very I'm very upset about that. Yeah, fix it, well, fix it, Tiff. <laughs> so here's the thing: it was the overturning of it first of all, and then you've got players like Amy Amy Coney. Is it Amy Coney Barrett? Coney Barrett. Coney yeah. Barrett. That is that Coney. That is normative determinism. Because she definitely wants Americans to breed like rabbits, right? Yeah. Uh, so she's come in. They've overturned Roe versus Wade, and then I think the conversation then was very much. Well, it does. It's okay because it's just a state by state. Like it doesn't mean anything, you know. That was sort of how it was played off, right? As they want the states to have control because they don't want the government to control anything other than like inside a fucking uterus. So it's 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 a states' rights argument, but yeah, it um. I mean, it's been a long time coming. These people are paid by, there's like this contingent of like, you know, Christo, Christo fascists who are funding uh, like Supreme Court nominees. And I think Kavanaugh, Coney Barrett um, are definitely uh, the fruits of their labor being realized. And um, it's, again, it's not about life or it's just about control. And as somebody who just had a baby, it's so subjugating. I'm, I love my baby. Okay. He's great. But, and I, and I'm like, I, I, it's fine, but I didn't, I didn't know that until I was three months pregnant, that for example, if you're going to breastfeed, I didn't know that a, they only eat breast milk or formula for the first six months of life, not even really water and no food. So when we had a formula shortage in our country, that is dead, that could be deadly for so many babies. Um, and I didn't know that you have to breastfeed really around the clock for the first couple of months. I just didn't even know until I was pregnant. I was like, they go to sleep when we go to sleep and they eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And they really don't <laughs> until like six or seven months. So you're just like feeding this thing and it's, you don't get any work done. And even now I'm like, I'm still feeding him. Like I will not be funny until I stop like leaking <laughs> breast milk from my boobs. Fluids. <laughs> yes. It's so, it's and I don't, and then I'm like, gross. I don't want to be that gross, like mommy blogger. Like, I don't want to be this like gross person talking about this, but it's, it just makes me think about if you're a fascist and you want to subjugate people, there's no better way to do it. And not just women. Also, it's like to, to their partners, uh, you know, it's like, how do you afford to have a kid in a capitalist society? You know, it like keeps you, in the workforce because you have to be because you have mouths to feed now so but it's yeah. also it's the, the the hilarious thing is that the judgment and the control stops if a woman uh, if a woman decides to have a baby that's the thing of going well no no it's just control it's this bit you don't get to you don't get to have autonomy over this but we're still going to have opinion and we're still going to try and control you if you have it so there's no winning as a woman that's what it feels like ultimately yeah. it's like there's judgment if you decide you want to terminate a pregnancy uh, there's judgment no matter how what the reasons for that are you know I don't think they, they, it's not that they judge you once you have it. They just like kind of set you up to fail. They just don't, at least in our country, it's like, you don't get paid leave. Well, I think there's judging. I, there's judging of pregnant women. There's the, you know, uh, you know this, but like a few years back, the exchange I witnessed in Starbucks where 
a barista, like a dude in his 20s, refused a pregnant woman her coffee. Like, there, there's, there's that. There's like, you're pregnant and your body becomes like public property. Yes. And it's controlled. And then in terms of maternity leave, then there's control there. Then there's control from the government to say, you're allowed this much time. We, we, we won't help you with, um, you know, nursery and all of these other things. So like... There are forces that you can't control whether you have a baby or don't have a baby. Right, right, right. Yes. Yeah, I think it's like the there's like the cultural stuff, but then there's also like actually the government stuff. But to your point, like there's we have like child protective services and the government can like step in and take your kids or do all sorts of whatever, you know, like they there is just like they just it is like a level of, you know, control and particularly for like poor and marginalized women you know it's 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 bad yeah well where is that level of I guess where is that level of um you know when the kid is born where is that level of like interest when if someone needs help <laughs> like that that where does that where does that go all of a sudden it's like concern until the baby's out of the woman then it's no longer right, right. you know once it's a baby yeah once it's yeah. actually a baby they don't give a shit. They also don't, at least in our country, they do not give a shit like at any at any phase. That's the thing that I think it's really important to because people are like they're pro fetus, but they're not they're like, you know, but it's they're not pro any. They're really just it's only about control. They don't give a shit because if they cared about fetuses, they would like invest in maternal fetal health and like make pregnancy uh, like they, they would just like make pregnancy less stressful for people who are forced into it or, you know, they don't care. It's, there's no, there's no moment on the timeline that they actually care about the fetus. Even when it's like a zygote, they don't fucking care. They just want to control women and like, you know, uh, trap us in cycles of poverty. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> My next show is going to be so funny. <laughs> no, but it's, but it's true. I mean, this is because it is happening and it does feel like, you know, and especially in America, I guess, like I was there a couple of years ago. I think I was wearing a Roe v. Wade t-shirt or I was wearing something. I cannot remember what it was, but it was like, it was a pro-choice. And a woman came up to me on the street, like sort of near to tears going and apologizing to me. And it was a woman in her 60s, I think. And I was like, are you okay? And she was like, yeah, I just thought we'd, I just thought we'd fix this. <laughs> and now like well, I thought we'd done I thought we'd fought so hard for this and now it feels like it's all slipping away she'd obviously seen the writing on the wall and she was you know and a lot of those women in America who were who would go around and turn up at the as counter protesters or as protection for yeah. women that were going to clinics and uh you know use their voices like that who were like devastated I suppose like lots of other women um in America about about how this has gone I imagine it will change dating forever as well in America if you're a single woman I mean yeah I there's a lot there's like a I don't know and there are a lot of things that I, I haven't been like you know single for a while but the men out there seem crazy <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I would I would just not want to see a picture of their face I'd want to see the vasectomy scar I'd mm -hmm. be like, show me that or I am not because I am not crossing state lines for you. But uh, yeah, it's it's um, it just goes to show that you can't it feels like you can't take anything for granted that you fight, you know, 
yes. in America, that's a hard one fight that is now. Well, it's and it's also like there's like a global lie. I think there is like kind of a playbook, like a fascist playbook around the globe now, because like this is happening in our country. But I do think that, you know, there are movements, similar movements in other countries, like Christo fascist white supremacist movements that are kind of looking at what works and what doesn't and trying to replicate them. Yeah. How do I how do I close this circle? Apart from like I I occasionally like to troll some of the uh some of the pro-lifers. I'll uh, I'll occasionally I don't know if I've told you. Stop saying pro life. We gotta stop saying pro. We just gotta call them anti-choice. Anti-choice, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anti anti-women or whatever. You I, call, I them. call them I do actually, I call them anti-choices. Anti. That is a, anti. Well, also anti. the this is get to get a little bit of the antis, right? Call them our antis. But the messaging is like the pro-choice actual messaging isn't as effective because it's not about choice. It's about like freedom and autonomy. So call them, I guess, anti-freedom. I think that that would resonate. Yeah. Yeah. I am. Um, I do normally do that. Actually, I don't normally say uh, uh, a pro-life because I'm I'm a I'm a pro-life person. But uh, I guess that's how they like to refer to themselves. So that's what I ask them. If I find them on Twitter, I say would you abort a fetus if you knew it was going to grow up to become a doctor who performed abortions? And then I just call yeah. that Stevenson's paradox. Yeah. That's <laughs> and go away and cook on that. But um, I hope it's in some way been cathartic talking about this. If you feel a little bit better to know that your rage is shared, I guess there's some catharsis in that. I always feel better talking to you. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Come on. Come on. It makes me feel better to know that there are people who deeply and passionately care about women having their autonomy. And uh, I mean, uh, it's I, like over 80 percent of the country wants like mifepristone is like this one. If there's this a uh, pill or the morning pills. after the, the well, they're not the morning. Yeah, there are two abortion pills. One of them is mifepristone and it was just outlawed by this crazy radical extremist pretending to be a judge uh, appointed by Trump. And um, I think there was a poll that said like over like 87% or something of Americans want that drug to exist. And so most people, I mean, most people in our country are, you know, pro people having reproductive autonomy. You know, it's really just like this vocal, powerful minority. So this is the section of the podcast we like to call unpopular opinion. And this is something you love that everyone else hates or vice versa. Um, so somebody asked me for some press I did about a book that I liked. And I, this is a book that it's unpopular because the author is Megan Phelps Roper. And I don't want to I don't like want to plug her book again. I just she was in this group called the Westboro Baptist Church. And they were these like radical extremists. And they would protest at like funerals of gay people. Horrible, horrible. Yes, like I've signs. heard of the. Yes. God against gays or something like well, that. Well, God, God hates like F word, whatever. So, oh, okay. um, but her in her book, which don't you don't need to buy or anything, but I there's just there was this one part where she was just like talking about like when they were little kids and they had these like horrible, horrible signs and they're protesting these funerals and it was like it almost read like sat satirical because it was so funny. Um, just like little kids, like. I, I don't know. I have like a scene in a movie in my head of just like little kids like pouring out of a van with like signs that were like, fuck gays. You know, like it's just like, it's so dark. <laughs> with no it's, concept of what they with are. With no concept. And like, it's so funny under the guise of like Christian uh, benevolence or whatever. And so tolerance I, and tolerance, <laughs> right? And love, like, yeah. um, Jesus loves my God, hates gay people sign or whatever. Um, 
And so I just kind of like, this was a funny read for me. And then people got upset because, you know, she uh, was on a podcast where she was praising JK Rowling. I can't keep up. I just, uh, I think that this person escaped a radical extremist cult. We should cut her, give her a pass. But I also, you know, obviously don't want to support anybody who supports somebody who's transphobic. But it is like this, that kind of like purity test of like, can we just like take it down a notch? But I don't, I don't know. I'll get, I, I would get in trouble. For can you, is it possible to agree on one thing and disagree with another and for those things to both be a. Is it possible to say like, yeah, someone's politics on one level are not okay. But if you put in the context of like the environment that they grew up in, they're radically more progressive than the, in, than their entire family that they left behind for le- like when they left this like radical extremist cult. Is she out of the, is she She's out, out of the school? cult? She's right, totally right. out of the cult. Right. She left her whole, she left her mom and her family behind. And I didn't listen to the JK Rowling podcast. I heard that she, you know, obviously I would imagine she's like a fan of her work because the work probably helped her escape her repressive upbringing. Um, maybe her politics, maybe she is transphobic. Um, I, I, I don't know enough. So I'm part of the problem by not like re listening to that podcast, but I don't really give a shit about JK Rowling and I don't want to like listen to someone fawning over her. Um, but I do think, can we, before we, before we like write off people associated with people who are problematic, can we just give the people associated with them like a little more, maybe of a pass, right. especially if those people fled a repressive cult led a repressive cult and wrote a book about it which you which know. i thought was interesting because the book in the book she also talks about how she was like on twitter callback before the algorithm and uh how talking to people who had different opinions de-radicalized her so the book had this kind of hopeful message about like the power of social media before this current moment we're in where it's been bastardized by algorithms um and by just whatever and i guess people are allowed to change and people are allowed to evolve. And... Yeah. But I have a de-radicalization on my mind a lot. And I thought it was a really good example of how somebody walked back from the edge of being in some radical cult their entire lives. So that's why I thought the book would be interesting for people to read. Jenna's book is called Not Funny. It's out in the UK. Uh, May 11th. Not Funny. Essays on life, comedy, culture, etc. Yes. Um, and it's brilliant because Jenna's writing is brilliant. Oh, there, I think there's a, uh, someone sent me a little photo the other day saying uh, that your name was in some acknowledgements. So, uh, you know, if you like seeing my name as well, get Jenna's book. Oh, your name is, yeah, you are my <laughs> special thanks. Yeah, you yeah. Are. So that's nice. Uh, but it's brilliant, very, very funny. So you should definitely, you can probably pre-order that, get yourself onto the various, get yourself down to a bookshop or onto a website to order it. You can also find Jenna still on Twitter, I believe. I'm still on Twitter until someone like hacks me. And if, if the tweets sound uncharacteristically me, or they're probably someone from Lithuania. But also if you go to your local bookstore and they don't have the book, you can ask them and they'll order it. And then that'll help with our indie book sales. Super duper. Thank you for coming on the podcast, Jenna. Thank you for listening. I'm on tour. So if you want to get to see me, I will be out across the UK. Uh, Glasgow, Manchester, Newcastle, Maidenhead, Falmouth, Leeds, etc. Uh, now you're to, just making up places. <laughs> just making up names of places. Scuttlebutt. Go to tiffstevenson.co.uk. You will find the dates on there or follow me on the social media. You know the drill. Thank you very much, Jenna. 
thanks for having me. You can listen to other programmes from The Bugle, including The Bugle, Catharsis, Tiny Revolutions, Top Stories and The Garble, wherever you find your podcasts.